Welcome to KC Corner, episode 46. This is our third attempt at this because we accidentally muted the mics and then I was laughing. That's right. Well, hey, listen, third time's a charm, bro. Yes, exactly. So, uh, exactly. And as you were saying, this is our afternoon edition. Afternoon edition, yes. Which is awesome. I know that we had a, a good night. You had a good night last night. You mm-hmm. played some golf at night. Yes, yes, without lights. Glow up golf balls at Winter Park 9. What is that like? It, it was hard. Very Golf is already hard enough. Like, yeah. made it even more challenging. Yeah. So. Did you guys, like, play a best ball or something? Yeah, we did a scramble. Two, we had two foursomes, uh, two four-man scramble teams, and we tied. So Okay, that's really cool. They didn't let us do uh, an extra hole, which was... Dumb. What the heck? Golly, what in the world? Hey, do you guys... uh, How many golf balls do they give you to start with that? So you had to buy them. Uh, They're a little pricey for glow-in-the-dark golf balls, but they gave you two. So they have like a flashlight, like a blue light flashlight or black light. I don't know. um, That lights them up. So you have to do that like before every shot. You can see them pretty easily. Okay, so... Do they stay a glowing? Uh, yeah, when yeah. They, so they'd stay glowing for about 10, 15 minutes, and they kind of die out, and then you have to shine them up again. Okay, so yeah. you can see where your ball is yeah, out there. Yeah, so. yeah, You're not searching in the in the dark for it. Man, that's incredible. How much? Uh, that that's just. A, I want to try it sometime. How yes. unusual? Yeah, I think they do it. I think they do it all the way through March or something. Okay, or, Winter Park Daylight nine. Savings. Yeah. Shout out to them. Shout out to them. And Free then, marketing. So you had a great night, and then this morning, Brooks, it was the first time, as you know, I'm back into my hockey routine. Yes, yes, and we're talking sports here. Yeah, we this are. A sports podcast. I now. love it. <laughs> um, you know, we. Uh, so usually I go in the at five o'clock. They have a skate and shoot. But AM I, people. I, I, no, no, that's usually PM. Usually oh, sorry, it's five sorry, PM. Sorry. PM. So uh, <laughs> I usually am at the end of the day. You go in, and so today was the first time I noticed they had a six forty-five. A.M. So there it's not go. 5 a.m. Okay, okay. I thought you were a big dog but, at 5 a.m. No, I wish I was. So as far as you know, I was up getting ready for it. No, no, I wasn't. But um, but Brooks, you know, growing up in upstate New York where, you know, a lot of the kids played hockey, looking back, I understand it more now. I mean, ice time was precious. And so on a Saturday, you would get up, uh, especially as a younger kid, because they would usually give them the worst ice time, I'm sure. <laughs> You know, we would get up so early. It would always be dark 30. I have no idea, but I always remember my dad coming in saying, you want to play hockey today? And that was just enough to get me like, absolutely I do, you know, and my dad made me breakfast. Usually, you know, my mom made breakfast, but this was a Saturday routine, and yeah. Dad would make guys only, guys only, some meeting before exactly. We play um, and it was it was always a special bonding time with Dad, and it was always a great to go play hockey first thing in the morning. And uh, we would go to a place called Hamilton College, great ice, really cold. So getting up this morning um, and kind of redoing that was like a, like a blast from the past. I loved it so much, but. Um, and the nice thing is the goalie that I was shooting at today was more than 14. And so, uh, <laughs> it was a grown man. Uh, I might've lit him up like a rented goalie, but I went in, uh, for a breakaway. I had one of the greatest deeks. Uh, I, I do think that Kucherov's going to call one. me. And, uh, and I had a little shot off of it that as soon as I did it, it was like, oh gosh, my back immediately. It was, it was like, I skated right to the bench. It was like, Thumbs oh, no. down. They carted you off. <laughs> exactly. They brought out the oxygen. I was like. So I'm in a little bit of pain today, We're but playing it hurt. Was worth it. We're playing We're hurt. We're playing today. hurt, man. That's all right. We're doing That's it. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. So, so jumping into the the real stuff now that we knocked the, That's sports, not the, real the stuff. sports podcast <laughs> as we continue through the Advent season this past week. Arrival. Yes. In uh, Joshua. I'm Joshua. This is good. You know, jo- Isaiah. Yeah. Isaiah <laughs> 11. Um, and it's, you know, there's parts of Isaiah, Brooks, that are clearly um, Advent series, like, you know, the virgin shall be ch- with child and call him Emmanuel. And then, then the second week that we talked about, 
you know, that those walking in darkness will see a great light and you shall call him the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And so those are kind of typical. And you, you would think that Joshua 11 is this like the stump of Jesse, this root of Jesse, this shoot of Jesse um, that is really going to emerge throughout scripture as well. So maybe it's not as familiar, but and it was certainly different for me um, preaching it because I, I think it's the first time I've preached on Genesis. I'm, Genesis. You're just all over I'm the all place, over the place. Yeah. You see, my all back is in place. pain. You know? <laughs> so we said we're men's. playing hurt people. <laughs> exactly. Isaiah 11. But loved it. And you, when you think about the beauty of Christ Jesus, our Lord, who is going to come from a stump of Jesse, and that stump is all of God's promises look like they were over. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looked like, you know, it looked like the people had messed up so much that they're in exile, kicked out of the promised land. You know, this promise to David that there'll always be a king uh, on the throne with his name and in his line. It seemed like it was donezo, gone, complete, kaput. Um, and yet out of that stump, uh, we'll see this holy seed, as Isaiah uh, 613 said, Jesus emerge. And I love it that there will be a shoot that will come out of what was so dark and broken. And that's what we need all the time is growth to come in Christ Jesus in the midst of our darkness. But then it, it, it changes. It says, well, this root of Jesse. Well, what is it? Is it a stump? Is it a shoot? Is it a root? And that's the beauty of who Jesus is. I mean, he is the ancient of days, as Micah will tell us. And, uh, um, you know, out of Bethlehem uh, will come one who is of the ancient of days. And that's, you know, Jesus is that eternal God. So mm -hmm. we love the story in the manger of some 2000 years ago of, of Jesus becoming a man and uh, flesh and dwelling among us. But the reality that he is both that root of Jesse, he comes before David, yet he comes from David, yet he's greater than David. He is our true king. And this is our true king and his true kingdom. It's not fully here yet, but it's going to be amazing where things are as they should be. And, mm -hmm. you know, little kids are going to be safe and playing over the cobra's, uh, you know, uh, pit and, and um, you know, the, the wolf and the lamb are going to lay down together, which is so cool. And he's the signal for the nations. That's where we are. So, you know, what I really meant to say, and I don't mean to recap that whole sermon, but <laughs> what I meant to say was just the wonder and the beauty of one who is both before and after David mm -hmm. and the one who's our true king. It's a great reminder this time of year as the year comes to an end, people may be stressed and everything, you know, that's a great reminder to have for sure. Yeah. And you know that there's a shoot that's coming and that in the midst of however dark, and I love what John, the gospel of John says, you know, the, the light of Christ, he shines into our darkness and the darkness doesn't win. And it won't win in your life, my life. It won't win in this world that Christ is going to shine. Mm -hmm. And so our final um, sermon before Christmas Eve, what do we have yeah. to look forward to this week? Well, looking forward to it. We're going to stick in Isaiah. Um, we're going to be Not in Joshua Isaiah. <laughs> exactly. Those are good too. But uh, we're going to be in Isaiah 53, which is probably more preached around the crucifixion because it talks about and one of the themes that Joshua, Joshua, there you go. That was on me. Man, oh man, that is on you. <laughs> one of the themes that Isaiah uh, is going to talk about is this servant and a uh, servant who will come. So, mm -hmm. you know, we look, we look to who's coming. And, and I love the fact that because in the Old Testament, you're going to be looking for a prophet, a priest, a king, a messiah. You know, you're looking for all these things, but also... Um, Isaiah is going to tell us that there's going to be a servant who will come. And 
this servant is going to reveal God to us. He's going to show us the arm of God, the strength of God. But how does he do it? Mm -hmm. By being weak, by suffering. He's the suffering servant. And so it's another chapter in the beautiful gospel story, the incredible story of the Bible. Hey, listen, KC Cornerland, are you loving God's word? Isn't it magnificent? Will you read it through with me this year? So here you have one who's going to come and through his wounds, we're going to be healed. He's going to be pierced for our transgressions. And uh, uh, Brooks, this was such uh, for for those in the in the Jewish community, they wanted to say it was so clearly linked to Jesus that it must have been written later. Mm-hmm. But the Dead Sea Scrolls, don't have time to jump into it, proved to us that this was always a part of Isaiah's story, that this suffering servant would come. So this week, what I hope to say is what we need most is one who not only understands us, but suffers not only with us, but for us. And we need one who, through his wounds, were healed. Mm-hmm. And then kind of looking while we're on the topic, too, for Christmas Eve, did we decide to do two services? Yes, we are. We're doing two. We're doing a five and a seven. And let me encourage you, if you haven't signed up yet, please do so. Uh, we really need, it's, five o'clock is pretty full. Uh, we need folks at the seven o'clock service and um, really, really looking forward to that. So oh, yeah, it should definitely. be great. Hey, you know, Brooks, I also, before we sign off here, I, I want to tell you that uh, today, you can see I'm kind of dressed up. I, uh, I went to a memorial service uh, for Jimmy Hewitt. Uh, Jimmy Hewitt helped bring the magic to town. And um, I went because I've, I've known Jimmy. Uh, he calls everybody Bubba. Uh, I was blessed by knowing Jimmy. But really, um, Jimmy's daughter, Whitney Gowen, is uh, uh, one of the greatest people on the planet. And I, uh, we, we, we love her and her family so much. And so, you know, I was going to go no matter who Jimmy Hewitt was because uh, we're our support of Whitney. And Whitney did such a great job. Shout out to her. But there's something about being in a memorial service yeah, that really kind of puts things in perspective. And Jimmy lived his life so well. I mean, he he had a way of loving other people so well. And and I just want to just say this on Casey Cornerland and, and say this to you, Brooks. You know, we get into our routines. We get into our schedules. And, and, and the world becomes small and we kind of think it's all about us. And then you go to a memorial service and you you're, you kind of can step back and see the big picture and you you put things in perspective. And I and I really believe that everybody should go to a memorial service at least once a quarter. I mean, just find somebody's service to go to and see what God does to you there. I also feel the same way about hospitals. I mean, hospitals are a scary thing. And as a pastor, I have to be in a hospital or I have the privilege of going to a hospital more than others. But I've never gone to a hospital. I've never walked through the halls. I've never looked into the rooms of those who are sitting in there broken and needy and not had the Holy Spirit do something in my life. And just and, and, and some of that is to remind me of my blessings, if some of that is to remind me. But I think the biggest thing those things do is it gets my eyes off of just my little life and onto the big picture of what God is doing. Mm-hmm. And it helps me think about what others are going through. And I think it's I think it's really important that we always rub shoulders with th- folks who are, you know, weep with those who weep and, and certainly laugh with those who laugh. So, you know, just an encouragement to those uh, in Casey Cornerland. And I don't know where you all are, but, you know, and maybe you're going to a memorial service and it's really, really dark. But there's just something that I, I would say the veil is thin between heaven and earth in those moments. Mm-hmm. And the gospel just seems 
so much more clear. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Especially yeah. you know hospitals um, walking through kind of the dim lit hallways, and it's not it's a scary place. There's a lot going on, and like you said, everyone in each room they don't necessarily want to be there and are suffering and broken and need to be loved on. Well, you know, Brooks, I just thought of this. I remember going early in the morning not to play hockey, but to go early in the morning before <laughs> your surgery. And uh, how old were you? You were fourteen. Fourteen. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I remember walking in and just seeing this, you know, athletic fourteen-year-old, very drugged-up fourteen-year-old, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, with with uh, drugs that were prescribed by a yeah. doctor. And so, uh, but you know, what what a privilege it was to be there with you. And then um, you you had to have surgery the next day, which was just. Uh, kind of crazy even for a 14 year old to have that kind of drugs in their body a couple days wasn't it wasn't an easy thing so no, definitely, not. definitely um, not but look what god has done now you're out playing golf at night exactly we made it that's awesome it's fantastic <laughs> so to wrap up the podcast with a little your guys homework for chapter four of transforming grace it was another good chapter i think it's called the chapters. generous landowner and mm-hmm. i think in all the scripture that's especially in jesus's um parables and jesus's parables aren't easy i mean they're it's, it's very, very interesting uh, of, of the things that he says. And I remember for a long time struggling with the generous landowner. I mean, what's up with a guy who's paying the same amount of wages to the one who only worked an hour compared to the one who bore the burden all mm-hmm. day long? And I, I, I think it's so important for us to understand this parable. is And it's a fact that uh, of, of grace that is hard to embrace that we need to the fact that god deals with his children on the basis of grace with without regard to merit or demerit is a staggering concept i mean it really is brooks think about it god deals with us based on his grace not on what we do and not what we don't do and 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 you know there's times I love that uh, when I realize I'm a mess and a buffoon, and yet he's going to graciously give me so much love and attention and what we need, provision. And there's times I don't love it. There's times mm-hmm. I feel like, hey, I've earned, uh, I've, haven't I earned a, a kind of the ice cream cone? Haven't I earned a, a, the cherry on top? Haven't I earned the extra blessing or whatever because I was righteous or I did this or I did that? Um and, you know, this, this understanding of grace it is completely a paradigm changer. And it, it really is so important for us to, to have our, our mind changed on the reality that God deals with us uh, by his, his grace and faithfulness um, apart from our merit or demerit. And, and thank God, because remember, our righteous acts are like filthy rags in his sight. And um, you know, I'm going to be meeting with somebody next week who's at the end of their life journey. And uh, the person who set this up said to me that they're nervous about passing away because they feel like they got to stand before Jesus and in, in, in all of their sins. And, you know, what are they going to do? And, you know, it's it, are they going to be good enough? And I mean, how sad to think about that. But the reality is none of us are good enough, but Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And he he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. And so I thought that was so important, what he was saying. Yeah, and I liked what he said um, with Satan's first temptation was questioning the generosity and uh, what do I have here? The the goodness and generosity of God. And this, you know, the first thing that he wanted to get us at and wanted to tempt us with, and you know, we still struggle with it today. 
We but, really do. And I, I, I hate that. That's our crafty enemy who wants us to question God's goodness, his generosity. And when you think of that goodness, what a really important point that he brings out in this as well, Brooks, is that it's always free. Mm-hmm. It's free grace. It's it's free. If God were indebted to us for one nanosecond or for one reason, it's no longer grace. You know, then then that's merit based. And he treats us by free grace and grace alone and mercy. And that's just a it's a powerful, powerful concept that's so countercultural to the way we think, live, and act oftentimes. And I think that a Christian who even knows and loves Jesus misses the mark and having a life filled with God's grace, that God is for us, God is with us, God has given us everything we need for for life and godliness. And Listen, we might be laboring in the field for an, an hour, or it might be the whole day. What a joy is ours. He's always going to provide for us. Mm-hmm. I think of that office scene where Dwight and Andy are getting each other presents or doing things, washing their cars. They're oh, just yeah, like, oh, you owe me one. You oh, owe yeah, me right, one. Right, so so they, have a, exactly. they have a hand up on the other person, but it's definitely not like that with our, our God. It's all free grace, all generosity. And you know, he's a God who delights in doing good. I think mm-hmm. that Bridges tried to bring that out as well, and he really does, and Oftentimes we see him as, oh, he's a God of wrath and he's a God, he's angry and he he's so disappointed in me, you know. Um, he's the God of guilt trip. In my family, we're really good. We grew up, we were great at guilt trips, you know. <laughs> you know, So just kind of add add on to people like, oh, that's okay. You know, I don't have to be invited. <laughs> it's, all, it's all right. And so he's not a God of guilt trips and he's a God who loves to do good. Mm-hmm. He delights in it and boy, it's incredible. And his... His goodness, I don't always understand, and sometimes his goodness comes uh, as a disciplining father. But you know that generous landowner, all that we all that we have, he freely gives to us in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, Amen. Such great news. Let's wrap it there. That sounds perfect. <laughs> See you guys Sunday and on Christmas Eve. Yahoo. <laughs>